0: Good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My name is Dave Frankowski, and I'll be your moderator for today's class. And welcome to another lecture given by the Oceanside California class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non denominational, religious, and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given unto our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1958, and we hold classes in the United States and in various other countries. The Oceanside class was established in 1994. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the president, Dr. Carl Emler. Now in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title. For the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The correct name for our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The correct title for the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. And the correct name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles, they are not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5, that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name, and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike the titles of Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. It's a divine title because it's the title that our Creator has chosen for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. And a minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, nor the Latin languages have any letters or characters in their alphabet. That would produce the sound that's made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1,400 years after the death of the Messiah, which would make such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings for the true name of our Father and his Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, the limits, and the bounds of everything that exists. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We've drawn this cloud to extend all around the edges of this chart to show that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and he walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah who the whole world calls Jesus Christ now there's only one name given unto salvation and we must know that name so the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is what did they call the savior when he walked the earth plane a further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface to the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai, and he showed him this threefold tabernacle pattern in a vision. Later on, Yahweh instructed Moses to build one in the wilderness of Sinai, exactly like the one he had seen in the mountain. The tabernacle pattern is a threefold pattern consisting of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and it operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The school has 10 primary constitutional objectives and aims, and they are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as He really is and actually exists. To form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law, or so-called law of nature, and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons, operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained. There is no other name given among men whereby a man can be saved saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And 10, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. We'll begin this afternoon with a prayer by Dr. Sean Hudgen Wardle from our Ontario, California class. And we'll have a scripture read, which will be Romans, the ninth chapter. That will be read by Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside, California class.
1: Can you hear me? Yes, we can, Sean. Very good. Thank you. Uh, Let us all bow in our hearts and minds for a moment of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father Yahweh, we pray that The next two hours of this class is dedicated to learning more about your purpose, pattern and plan. And we hope that you reveal something to our understanding as we come one more time gathering to do so. Um, We pray as you glean the fields and, you know, just bring together the the last souls at the end of this age, that we can do everything that we can to do your will. All these things in the name of your only begotten son, Yahshua the Messiah, let us all say hallelujah. hallelujah. Hallelujah.
2: I'm sorry all of a sudden my sound went out I hope that you can hear me if you can I'm reading from the Holy Name Bible containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts revised by A.B. Betrana of the Scripture Research Association Incorporated in College Park Maryland I'll be reading Romans the ninth chapter. I say the truth in the Messiah, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I wish that myself were accursed from the Messiah for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of Yahweh, and the promises. (laughs) Whose are the fathers, and of whom as concerning the flesh the Messiah came, who is over all blessed forever? Not as though the word of Yahweh hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel, neither, because they are the seed of Abraham, Are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called? That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of Yahweh, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also hath conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of Yahweh according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. And it was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with Yahweh? By no means. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of Yahweh that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose has I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore, hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against Yahweh? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if Yahweh, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath Fitted to destruction, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he afore prepared unto glory, even us, whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles, of which he spoke through Hosea, saying, I will call them my people which were not my people, and her beloved which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass in that place where it was said unto them, ye are not my people. There shall they be called the children of the living Elohim. Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will Yahweh make upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, except Yahweh Sabaoth hath left us a seed, we had been as Sodom and made like unto Gomorrah. What shall we say then that the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, have obtained to righteousness even the righteousness which is of faith? But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore? because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, behold, I lay in Zion the stumbling stone and rock of offense. Yet whosoever believeth on him shall not be disappointed. Romans, the ninth chapter.
0: Thank you, Dr. Geller and Dr. Hudge Our scripture readers this afternoon will be Dr. Deb Cometti from our Syracuse, New York class and Dr. Reba Zahar from our Gates, Gates, New York class. Sorry, (laughs) I I didn't get it there for a second. From our Gates, New York class. We'll have a three speaker format this afternoon, each speaker getting approximately 30 to 35 minutes, and we'll have a five minute sign flash up on the screen. Please acknowledge that you've seen the sign. And our first speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Paul Dean from our Artport New York class.
3: Hello, good evening, everybody. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Good evening. Great. It is such a joy to be with Oceanside and with all the brethren. Um, I thank Yahshua to have the opportunity attend classes a lot of times i'll watch online i'm so grateful for the mount you know the what yashua has done at the close of this age to gather his sons and daughters together i sit in amazement as i'm sure many of you do at the uh, you know just the out Uh, How well fed each and every single one of us are spiritually through this magnificent teaching. And it certainly is an honor to be able to give a testimony to things that Yahweh has shown me since attending these classes. And I hope and pray that uh, anything that I say will be edifying to the body. First of all, I'd like to say love, love from ARCport class to all the brethren out there. We love you if you ever have the opportunity to visit, visit us in ARCport, we'd certainly love to have you um, join us. Um, it is such a joy. I, I was recently listening to Chicago and it was brought to my attention and I was not aware of it, but the 87 convention um, that there was uh, Uh, videos on that so I asked around and I found out uh, that you could get it through the Lansing site in being I was called in this this school was a drummer for many years in the uh, choir here in New York and was able to attend the 87 Dallas convention as a young boy and uh, it was such a joy to see that again what really simply amazed me is you know i i pray to yashua that i can get this off my chest um we all taught the same thing at one time and it was wonderful to travel to the different seminars and i can remember being at a seminar once and uh, there was some people off to the side that didn't know all those people that were coming in. They were not part of the class where there was a seminar. And if you've been in this school anytime, you know that there's a time, and we still fortunately are able to have seminars and we gather just as we do on Zoom now, we were able to gather physically. And it was many ages, many colors. Uh, Didn't matter what the age, the color, But one thing they were amazed when they looked down and saw uh, the brethren coming in, they said, I don't know who they are, but they sure do love one another. And I am just so thankful that I have been able to experience that love being manifest time and time again through the preaching of this magnificent gospel. Had it not been for the love of our Savior yashua the messiah given this divine vision and revelation none of us would have ever known a thing about the magnificent things that he has done for each and every single one of us we're all come in on the same level playing field we were all dead on arrival i can remember that being taught many years ago and i can remember working in an emergency room back in the 80s and uh, uh, seeing people being brought in dead on arrival now that's a bold statement if you could get for me what Yahweh says of the two meaning of life and death is where it talks about to be spiritually minded or to be carnally minded. I'm not real good with verses, but if you could go ahead and get that. I'd also like you to get me, uh, first I'd like to get me John 14 and 26, and then I'd like you to get me that other verse that I just asked for. That would be Romans
4: eight and six. Thank you.
5: John 14, 26, but the Comforter who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I have said unto you.
3: That is a beautiful verse. The comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father shall send in my name. I never knew the name of the Father was Yahweh. I never knew the name of the Holy Spirit was Joshua. I never knew that he was a magnificent teacher and that he would bring all things back to each and every one of our remembrance and that is still what he continues to do bring things back and he is his teacher in this school so if you get anything out of any testimony from any speaker that has the uh, um honor of, of of addressing the sons and daughters you think Yeshua because he's the only one that is able to um, um be able to show that now, if you would go ahead and get me uh the other verse there that I had asked for,
4: Romans eight and verse six for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace.
3: Thank you very much. If you could go over to the dispensations and ages chart, that first dispensation um in time, and zoom in. And there's also a verse that talks about this, where in one man, um, we all die, but in Yahshua, we're all made alive. I'm sorry, I don't know that verse. but Romans 5 and 12 and 14. Okay, if you could go ahead and get that, but before you do, you'll notice there, age of consciousness. Now, look at this dispensations in ages chart. Every single one of these charts are a result of a divine vision revelation that Yahweh gave to Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley. He was a bibliomaniac. He knew that Bible from cover to cover. he He could quote scripture above and scripture below if you were to ask him a scripture, but he said the entire thing read differently after he received the vision and revelation. As a matter of fact, if you read the vision pamphlet, you'll read how that after Yahweh gave him the vision, he asked what will you do with that which I shown you and and Dr. Kinley did not know the answer. But after Yahshua gave him the revelation of that vision or the understanding of what he had seen Then the answer came right from within him. And he says, what will you do with that which I've shown you? He said, teach your people your will, Yahshua. And what a beautiful thing, because if you understand that, then you understand that you are his people. You are one of the ones that he was speaking of. And to be a son and a daughter of Yahweh, to be called from the Most High is such a tremendous blessing. And throughout various parts of the scripture today, it talked about mercy. You will never, I've never thought one thing about mercy until I came into this school. But anyway, um, you'll understand the reality and truth behind what mercy is, because it has been, mercy has been uh, poured out, you know, onto his children. So in Adam all die, the first age of time, you'll see in Adam all die. Go ahead and get that scripture, if you would, for me, please.
5: Romans Romans. 5 5 and 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression who is a figure of him that was to come.
3: Wow. That is amazing. So I I never was taught that, you know, the moderation starts out this is a school and not a church. I attended church for 20 years in the Catholic Church. As a matter of fact, when I exited after a meeting of the priest Um, after being about a year in a school, I went and talked to my priest and he patted me on the back of the shoulder as he escorted me out the door. And he said, Paul, you cannot know God. And had it not been for my attendance in this school already, I may have been apt to believe him. But that was not the case. Romans 119 and 20 says, uh, matter of fact, I just want you to go ahead and read that, if you would, please. Romans 119. Because that which may be known of Yahweh
4: is manifest in them. For Yahweh has showed it unto them.
3: Stop, please. For that which may be known of him. I mean, sorry, one more time, Reba. Because that which may be
4: known of Yahweh is manifest in them. For Yahweh has showed it unto them.
3: He most certainly has. And I just want to talk for a few minutes on that. You know, as I mentioned... The priest had said to me, um, uh, you cannot know God. Now, that is completely contrary to what we just read there in Romans, complete opposite. And in this school, you're going to find out just exactly what you can know about Yahweh. Do we know all things? No. But, you know, all the things that we can learn you know, two-hour classes, 120-minute classes that we're blessed to be able to participate in. And now I've been a member for, I, you know, I'm losing track account, count, it doesn't matter. But time and attendance has no effect. But the wonderful thing about this, and I know that my brethren out there can relate to this, this teaching is still as exciting as it was the day we first walked through this doors, the love. Right does not go away. It never gets old. It still is magnificent as it was the first time Yahshua showed us and taught us the first fundamental principle of whatever it was, whether it be the true definition of what life and death is, whether it be the unity of the spirit, whether it be the understanding of what dispensation and age we live in right now, as is a pictorial illustrated on a user-friendly chart in front of each and every single one of us, the anti-Diluvian age was the first age in time. The post-Diluvian age was a second age in time. In the present kingdom age is the kingdom, uh, um, the present kingdom age that we live in now, that's the third age in time. Joshua came in some 2,000 years ago, went through a death, a burial and a resurrection and opened a door unto a covenant that none of us could ever, ever even fathom was even possible to understand. Mm -hmm. That the same Elohim, the same Yahshua that wrote in the tables of stone the Ten Commandment Law that was first that was broken, the second set of tables, made it into that ark of the covenant, the same finger of Elohim, Yahshua, continues to write in the hearts and minds of his sons and daughters now. Mm -hmm. Now that's the magnificent power. That is some magnificent power. And it has still to this day the ability to resurrect our hearts and minds from the dead. And that's the life and death we're talking about now. You know, uh, yeah, you can take us. You can take us. Each and every single one of us only have a limited amount of time. We know that. As far as on this earth, life eternal, eternal life is based on knowing Yahweh. And he has provided the grace and mercy at the close of this age and given us this magnificent vision and revelation so we can participate and enjoy the fruits of the spirit and be fed so plentiful, so plentiful. I have never been fed so well in my life. Now, I hope I can get this off my chest, but I just need to say something. For many years, I sat behind a set of drums and I seen some magnificent teachers that Yahshua had chosen to preach this gospel. And I recently was brought to my remembrance when I've seen that convention and witnessed once again the same gospel being taught and preached that we continue to to preach to this day. And it does my heart great sadness to, to have seen anybody step away from the from the magnificent things that were given to us. But I can relate. I can relate because as I sat behind the drums edifying the assembly in this school for the many years that I have been in here, I too became involved in that. I was in that progressive doctrine, and I could just put it this way: I fell asleep. You know, and but it came a time, sometime in 2005, 6, 7. I can't remember when it was. Yashua brought me out of that, and I'll never forget it because I stopped in our court to visit my brethren that were still preaching this gospel, the ones that he steadfast in the magnificent things that Doctor Kinley and Yashua, our teacher delivered to each and every single one of us. And I stepped in there simply to say goodbye. I know what was in my heart. I know I felt like a hypocrite and I knew there were songs being sang that I was playing drums to. And I was a complete hypocrite because I didn't believe what was coming off the lips of the song that was being sang. And also it was completely contrary to the moderation that was just spoken. Imagine if you can saying a moderation giving the yangs and singing something completely opposite to that now someone's had a change of mind someone's had a change of mind so anyway i just want to say this because i'm very grateful you know when i stopped in the airport to say goodbye that's when yashua said hello and, and Bonnie didn't know I was there to say goodbye. She thought I was a spy, and uh, she she got everybody up on the floor and asked them why they came to class. And I sat there in complete and utter amazement because the testimonies that were coming off the lips of my brothers and sisters was the same testimony I used to have 20 years prior. And I was astounded. I was astounded. And delivered me out of that mess. And I'm just ever grateful. And I can remember going into Chicago, the first seminar coming in and in, 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 in the brethren's having us. And, and I said, a seminar, people still have seminars? But yeah, Chicago's having a seminar. I was there. I was there. And I was just so edified and continue every year when I visit my brethren in Chicago to be completely edified. I love the unity of the spirit. I love the bond in which even each and every single one of us share one Yahshua. He's the only one. So to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, pastor, color. What a wonderful thing. I have tasted it. And I am so forever grateful for it, you know. So that really is just, um, I guess uh, I I thank Yashua for allowing me to kind of get it off my chest, and I just am very grateful. And I say it for this reason: You are so so blessed. Yahweh has poured out such mercy. I hope you see it i hope you see it and have you if you if you've not yet uh experienced being resurrected from the dead actually having uh yashua uh, uh sit on your mercy seat to to appear in your cloud to write in your heart and mind now the beauty of it all is that whether it's Dennis or or Paul or Terry or any of the speakers that come before you. Just as Dr. Kinley, you know, could you get me the Moses chart? And I have completely lost track of time. Thank you, Joshua, for that, because, you know, uh, it's, isn't it wonderful to be in heaven on earth? Isn't it wonderful to be in heaven on earth, to be called Mm -hmm. up into a higher point where you actually lose track of time? So please, if I happen to miss that five-minute mark, please, you know, yell it out loud, because I would never want to be disobedient to the bell. But you see on the Moses chart a panoramic vision to Elohim to Moses. Yahweh gave Moses a divine vision in Revelation in 1490 B.Y., Moses was the first one to write. He gave a visit to John there on the right side. You'll see that panoramic vision of Elohim to John in AD 96. He was the last one to write. Moses authored five, John authored five. Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley said, the entire purpose of Yahweh unfolded like a giant Japanese fan. And when somebody asked Dr. Kinley, I wish, said, I wish I had what you had what dr kinley say help yourself help yourself and each and every single day that's what we're able to do that's what we're able to do and it's so wonderful to be able to you know i used to attend church thinking that was my righteousness it's so wonderful to not play church any longer it's so wonderful to actually know yes indeed yashua is the greatest teacher North, south, east, and west, it doesn't matter where you go, there ain't nobody that's going to teach you and show you and have mercy upon you like one Yahshua. It's absolutely beautiful. But the things that Moses wrote about and the things John and all the prophets, you see, all came directly from Yahshua or from Yahweh Elohim. And in our complete harmony, Dr. Kinley's vision just confirmed everything that Moses and John and all the prophets had seen. And that Bible does not read the same to this day. And and, and, and the more we continue to uh, uh, come to class, the more Yahshua continues to teach each and every single one of us about his magnificent purpose, pattern, and plan. What a joy it is what a joy it is and it's such an honor to be able to give a testimony uh, to the sons and daughters of Yahweh I want to uh yield the floor but I just want to extend my love once again from our court to all our brethren worldwide you know you stay strong you stay in the faith and you thank Yahshua each and every single day for all his blessings that he's had on each and every single mm-hmm. one of us yes. you know all praises to Yahshua, yield the floor, my love to all you, all my brethren out there. Hallelujah.
0: Thank you, Dr. Dean. And our next speaker will be Dr. Deb Cometti from our Syracuse, New York class. And while Dr. is on the floor, Dr. Linda Volpe will help read scriptures.
5: I'd like to say hi to everybody and um, thank our previous speaker, Paul Dean um, for stirring up our pure minds and getting the ball rolling. Um, I thought it was um, interesting. I was reading down a little further. Reeve, are you still in Romans, the first chapter? Yes, I am. Okay, so if you could go down, he was talking about the people that had left class and that had totally uh, went in their own separate way. And I thought it was really good when he, if you could start in twenty, the 24th verse. 24? Yeah. Romans
4: one twenty-four. Wherefore, Yahweh also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of Yahshua into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever.
5: So now I just want to say um, they began to look at the creature or a man or somebody of the flesh rather than the creator who is Joshua the Messiah. Now, if you go over to um, it's Colossians, the first chapter, I mean, what Paul was saying, we've all, if we've been in class any amount of time, we've all uh, experienced and lived through Uh, some of the stuff he was talking about where uh, people left and they did exchange the truth for a lie and they began to worship a man rather than Yahshua now Yahshua he is the creator and if you can look at um, let me see Linda Colossians (laughs) 1 and uh, let me see here I want to start where it talks about the sun so that we know who we're talking about. So it's one and um, okay, one and 12. And this is Paul, and he's talking to an assembly in Colossus. And this is in 60 AD. So uh, Pentecost for the Jews and for the Gentiles has been going on, you know, for a good 20 something years. And he's, you know, talking to the assemblies, like we're talking to each other today. And we're getting the gospel out today. And um, that's what they were doing. Paul traveled all around and um, he would exhort and admonish the classes that were set up in these different places and, and talk about the gospel and the things that Yahshua had showed him. So that's all we're doing is talking about what Yahshua has showed us. Go ahead, Linda.
6: Colossians 12,
5: giving thanks unto the Father who hath made us
6: meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the sons in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated
5: us into the kingdom of his dear son. So Paul's saying present tense that we have been translated from darkness into light into the kingdom of Yahshua. And over there where Reba was reading, it was talking about that they exchanged and they worship the creature more than the creator, who is Joshua. So keep that in mind. Keep going, Linda.
6: In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who
5: is the image of the invisible Yahweh, the firstborn of all creation. Okay, so now we got this chart up before us, and we call this fondly the Moses chart, and it talks about the children of Israel coming up out of the land of Egypt and being in the wilderness. And then it shows on the left hand side, it shows Moses going up into the Mount. And Paul talked about Moses having a vision from Yahweh Elohim. And then on the right, we talk about, we see where Yahshua transfigured with um, when he was in his ministry. And then we see Paul, I'm sorry, John, on the Isle of Patmos also getting a vision. Okay. So now this Yahshua, Okay, that Linda's reading about, okay, we have redemption through his blood. We see the death, the burial, the resurrection of Yahshua, the Messiah, and he gave his Holy Spirit and put it in the hearts and minds of men on the day of Pentecost, 33 AD, and then again to the Gentiles in 40 AD. So we see Yahshua putting this gift of the Holy Spirit in the hearts and minds of men. And it says, we have redemption through his blood, okay? He's the only package that had the blood. We have redemption in his blood, and we have the forgiveness of sins. And over in our scripture reading, Paul is being very clear what is the difference now between having, trying to do it yourself and doing the works of righteousness, which was under the law, which never was going to happen, okay, and the works of faith, which are the righteousness of Yahweh in this covenant. So hold that point. So we're gonna continue where Linda is. I, um, I want you to see when Moses is on the Mount and he's having that panoramic vision of Elohim, okay? That Yahshua is the image of the invisible Elohim, okay? And Elohim is the firstborn of all creation. Okay, you can go over to, I believe, I just want to grab real quick if I can find it. It's in Revelation. Um, Reaver, Linda, if you know where I'm going with this about him being the witness, and let's see, uh, la, la, these things, right, the first and who is dead and is alive. Okay, okay. Um, Okay, if I can't find it in two seconds, then I'm I'm kind of missing my mark. So I'm gonna let leave that alone. It was just talking about um, Yahweh Elohim being the firstborn, but it's not coming to me right now. That's okay. So now we've got Linda's over in Colossians. She's in the fifteenth verse. So you want Revelation
3: one about...
5: five? Thank you so much, Revelation one five. I knew it was kind of in the beginning. And from Yahshua, the Messiah, who is the
4: faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed
5: us from our sins in his own blood. Washed us from our sins in his own blood. So that's why this gospel that we preach every class, every chance, and that Paul was trying to show you the joy and the uplifting of it all is that we are cleansed, someone that was unable to do it themselves, to get anywhere near this Yahshua the Messiah's Holy Spirit, to get near that we were unable until he brought us up to the Father by his blood. He washed us in his blood. He cleansed us from our sins. And when that high priest went up into that most holy place, On his garments, which were called beautiful and glorified, his garments of beauty and glory, he's carrying with him Jews and Gentiles. He's Mm -hmm. carrying those that are unable to get there themselves (laughs) into the most holy place. And that's where Yahshua is going to say, well, I mean, Yahweh is going to say, well done, my son. See, because we are going to be washed from our sins. That's the whole purpose. Wrapped up real tight. So I want to go back over to Colossians and Linda is reading about this Yahshua. And uh, my point is, you know, if I've gone a little bit too far off the point, is that this Yahshua, he is the creator and he is going to be worshiped, not the creature. Now, the creature could be your priest, the creature could be your spouse, the creature could be anything in this flesh, but we're talking about worshiping Yahshua. And I want, I'm going to go back to Romans, the ninth chapter, but I just want to get this point where Linda's reading for me. Go ahead. 16. For by him were all things created that are in
6: heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him, all things consist or exist. And he is the head of the body, the assembly, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that, all, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in
5: him should all fullness dwell. Now, this is what we've got before us, is this gospel, and what the end result of this gospel is, is that you are going to be partakers of what she just read, where this Yashua's the head, we're the body, we're, he's the firstborn, and then he goes and he finds us. We didn't find him, he finds us. And I think Paul did a really good job of testifying how Yahshua found him because he thought he was going in that room that day to say goodbye. And when he, when he and his colonel thinking said goodbye, and then Joshua opened it up and we all have these crazy testimonies of what we thought we were doing that one day and somebody brought us down to this class because Joshua brings you in see when when Joshua began his ministry he went over to um matthew the taxpayer and he went over to uh, the ones that were fishermen and he said follow me he picked them they did not decide to follow him and that's we have that same testimony that he chose us from the foundation of the world. And, you know, we're talking about the one that keeps the sun in the sky and doesn't have the planets bouncing into each other. And it pleased the father that in this Yahshua, the Messiah, all the fullness was going to dwell. And that's how, you know, Paul was saying he loved the unity of the spirit. And I think that's all of our testimony because we finally get it we finally understand that this Yahshua on the cross was not God's little boy. And things didn't go wrong that day. And, and, you know, maybe come around later when they made the Catholic church and all the saints and everything. No, it was all for a designed purpose. And Dr. Kinley's vision and revelation from Joshua has led us in on this purpose. And we understand things, and like Paul said, can we understand all things? No. We can't understand, but what he's given us, there are treasures. So with that in mind, I wanna go back. Reeb, if you can get to the ninth chapter of Romans, this was just like, wow, this was just so, so much. But I wanna I want to say something about the 16th verse. Um, well, you know what? Start in 14 for a minute, 914.
4: Okay, what shall we say then? is there unrighteousness with Yahweh Yahweh forbid for he saith to Moses I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion
5: okay so so that was that was what Paul's testimony was Yahshua was having compassion on him right that day because he turned his heart around and he made him sit down in that class and he's still here today go ahead
4: So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of Yahweh that showeth mercy.
5: So it's not of any of our choice. It's not a club to join because you think it's cool or you like the people in it or you want to travel or you want to be on Zoom and be a speaker, whatever. It's not about any of your desires. It says it's not about him that willeth or about us. It's not about us that wants something, okay? It's not of him that runneth. You can't go fast enough to catch this gospel. You can't stop in your tracks and catch this gospel. It's not of him that runneth, but what?
4: But of Yahweh that showeth mercy.
5: But of Yahweh that showeth mercy. And I think Paul said that more than once. I think it's in the prayer. I think it's everywhere how we recognize and realize how we have been blessed beyond measure. Okay, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just so much and there continues to be so much that it doesn't get old and it is just like we first heard it. And there's always something more, there's always something to light us up. And so here we are, and we're talking about back here with Moses. It's not about Moses, he didn't decide he was going to be a great minister or a patriarch. Yahweh picked him out of the crowd, right? It's not about the Israelites as a nation, because they weren't, they weren't anything, see? But Yahweh picked them out, and we're saying the same thing about us, that Yahweh picked us out. Now, I want you to keep reading down, because Paul, he's getting into something that every, every single one of us has asked ourselves. Go ahead.
4: Verse 17. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up. That I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will?
5: Now here name? we go. Now here we go. This is the thing that every single one of us has asked. At one point, how does Yahweh find fault if we're all just in the same situation that he just described of Pharaoh's heart? He's going to have mercy on whom he's going to have mercy, and that's Moses. Moses killed the man for crying out loud, but yet still, Yahweh had mercy on him and did not hold that to his charge. Okay, now, here's Pharaoh. Pharaoh's the god of Egypt, and Pharaoh, his heart was hardened even if he wanted to he couldn't do the right things because yahweh hardened his heart so now Mm -hmm. paul's saying thou will say then well how does yahweh find fault with any of us he's the one that's you know pulling the strings and who who has resisted his will the answer is nobody nobody has ever ever resisted his will right so now here's paul and here's what Paul's saying. Go ahead, Reuben 20. Nay, but, O oh man,
4: who art thou that repliest against Yahweh? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to
5: make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? Now, I hope I hope you're catching the magnitude of what she's reading because he's saying we're all as a lump of clay and Yahshua has given us the honor to be part of his body, to be subjected unto righteousness where the next guy could be subjected unto unrighteousness. And he's saying he's the potter and we're the clay. Now I told you back there in uh, Colossians, He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. So once you see that he showed all that as witnesses for the power that he has, if he can keep this whole thing going in perfect harmony and balance, how much he can keep us in perfect harmony and balance, it takes it out of our hands. And, you Mm -hmm. know, it has like a lot, a twofold, you know, uh, a purpose to that is because not only does it take it out of your way so that you get yourself out of the way in the sense of you're not doing anything you didn't read more you didn't go to um, ask him more you didn't try harder you didn't do anything more than the next guy who's in the body of Yahshua and the same token look at the pharaohs out there their hearts are hardened okay and there's not one thing that you're going to shout at a blind man and make him see and any different because you don't have that power. You're not going to scream at a deaf person and you're not going to make him hear you any better. And these are the things that Paul is dealing with with these this assembly and Rome saying who has resisted the will of Yahweh. And the answer is nobody. Okay. And it says that uh, read 23. 23.
4: And that he might make known the riches of his glory and the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but
5: also of the
4: Gentiles.
5: See, the Gentiles, though, guess what? They didn't come in for seven years. So if a Jew who was enlightened with the Holy Spirit tried to talk to a Gentile before those seven years, guess what? It wasn't going to happen. And it mm-hmm. also had to be one of the eyewitnesses, one of his apostles. So Yahshua, he's got this thing locked up in ways that we might not think. So we just got to go along with, you know, being the lump of clay and just seeing what we're what's taking a fashion or taking a shape and form with us. And like Paul said, I think he did a gallant job of just, you know, giving the glory and the shine to Yahshua, the Messiah. And that's all we can really do. Okay, now I want her to continue reading. Let's see here. Um, I wanna go down Reba to the, um, let me see. Okay, um, 27, I guess we'll go.
4: Uh, Romans 9, 27, Isaiah also prieth concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea. A remnant shall be saved, for he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work with Yahweh make upon the earth. And as, I, as, and as Isaiah said before, except Yahweh of Sabaoth had left us a seed, we had been as Sodom and been made like unto Gomorrah,
5: which were totally. Totally obliterated and wiped off because of their iniquity. So he's saying if there hadn't been just this little seed left, okay, and the seed is where Yahshua, well, the Messiah, is going to come through the loins of David, right? Keep reading. Mm-hmm.
4: What shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followeth not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith
5: even the righteousness which is of faith and that is what Yahshua delivered on the day of Pentecost to the Jews seven years later to the Gentiles and it's still going on today and if you want to look at the way Paul was describing his circumstances you could say his day of Pentecost was that day when he said goodbye and Yahshua said hello. That was his Pentecost. That was the opening of the gates of the heart there. And he's not gone anywhere. It's impossible to go anywhere. Once you've mm-hmm. been enlightened, where would you possibly go? You you have come out of the darkness into the light. Where would you go from here? There is nowhere to go. So we preach the gospel. We praise Yahshua for the gift he's given us. We praise Yahshua for those that may come in that are yet to come so we can like people say so we can get out of here okay because like with Noah once that boat was filled with the eight souls that were supposed to be in there guess who closed the door Yahweh Elohim and guess what nobody could open it so you weren't letting anybody out or in it was a done deal and it's just an example to us of the done deal Yahshua's body being the ark of safety and us being in it and close and shut in it, we're not going anywhere, um, so keep reading there, read,
4: verse 31, <laughs> but Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness, wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone, as now it is see- written, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed.
5: See, this is where this is going. If you read over there in Deuteronomy 6 and 25, it'll say that it would be their righteousness. Israel was talking about when they were given the law of Moses that it would be their righteousness if they could keep it, which they absolutely were never going to keep it. Now, Yahshua comes in on the scene, and he is the law. And so he's going to keep that law, and he's going to fulfill it, and he's going to move it out of the way. And that's going to be important for you and I, because when we come on the scene now, in this time frame of the earth, and the purpose, when we come in, We are no longer subjected to anything that had to do with Moses, with 10 commandments, with anything that was given from Mount Sinai or what they had to do in the wilderness of Sinai. Some people to this day still think they're doing right by not eating pork. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are just things that people have dragged over because they don't understand what is the purpose and the plan. And that's why Yahshua, wanted dr kinley to teach his people and that's what's going on there is a holy spirit and he's in operation tonight and he's the one we had it read and it might do well just to read it again um you know what i think i'll go over to isaiah we'll do something different we'll do isaiah 28 9 and 10 just to show you um we work with the whole bible we don't just work with a couple scriptures here and there Um, we use the whole Bible, we'll, we'll use anything uh, in the creation, we'll use anything that's in a dictionary, or on Google, um, to show you something about Yahshua, because if he's the creator of everything, then it's all going to have that same line, like the universe, the universe is one verse folks, folks, it's showing the unity of the gospel, it's showing how Yahweh Yahweh Elohim and Yahshua, they are one. They are not three. And one of the things I was in my first couple of classes when somebody showed me that there's a book called a concordance and in the concordance is every word that's in the Bible and you cannot go to the section under T and you cannot find the word Trinity, which means that there is not the word Trinity in your whole Bible. But what right. is in there is unity. So we're not talking about three separate ones. And that's where the name is so important to know Yahweh, to know his name is Yahweh and his son's name is Joshua, because it brings in that unity of the spirit that Paul talked about. So let's have Linda uh, 28, 9 and 10. Isaiah 28, 9. And who shall he
6: teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Those who are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. One more. Okay, for with stammering lips and another tongue, will
5: he speak to his people? Okay, so now this Yahshua is going to speak to his people and it's going to be in a certain way and it's going to be here a little and it's going to be there a little those who are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast and you know how a mother will feed an infant she takes them from one side to the other side but the point that i want to make is that yashua is going to be teaching the knowledge and Yahshua is going to make to understand doctrine now, why is that so important? You say because you're like, I'm not into all this knowledge and all this study. I just want to, you know, a good feeling and raise my hands and and sing a song. But I'm going to tell you what it's it's going to be important. It's going to come into play. And Dr. Kinley used to say to people in his class when he was alive, "You're going to be glad that you knew this man, see, because he had the words of truth." And we saw how people like to change the words of truth into a lie and they like to make things fashioned into their own way we're not about that folks we're going to stay right where we need to be and it was also talked about with the previous speaker we're going to stay in the purest word of the truth not veering off not going to be uh all you know getting all crazy and getting all into ourselves and raising ourselves up we're going to just talk about this Yashua. so now remember He's going to teach knowledge and he's going to make those that he wants to make understand doctrine. So now why is this important? Let's have John 1, 1 through 3. I'm sorry, John 17, 1 through 3.
4: John 17 and verse 1. These words speak Yahshua, and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. For as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true All, and Yahshua the Messiah whom thou hast
5: sent. So do you see that? See, when I was somebody that was younger and I was raised in a a, um, Methodist church, I never thought anything about knowing God as a way to, to get to heaven. I thought that meant that, you know, you didn't take. His name in vain, you didn't sash your parents, you didn't steal. It was kind of like the Big Ten, you know commandments, that kind of thing. But when somebody pointed this out and saying that this is Joshua speaking, if you have a, a red letter edition, this is Joshua, and he is saying, "This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true Elohim, and that they might know Yahshua the Messiah whom thou hast sent." So you see where we were reading over there that there was a certain way to understand what was going on. It was by him teaching us the knowledge and him making us to understand doctrine. Now Mm -hmm. this all has a designed end and this all comes into effect. I wanna go over to um, the purpose, which is Ephesians, the first chapter. And I wanna show you how this whole thing evolved because it's totally different than what we thought we were doing in class. I mean, I, I'm sorry, in church, it's totally, <laughs> totally different from what we thought we were doing before because we thought we had works of righteousness and it's absolutely so totally the opposite. It's, it's just, it's a 180 folks. It's just totally opposite. Now, if you read over, we're gonna start, we're gonna read a little bit of this. So I wanna start in verse Four Ephesians one and four, and just open your mind to this stuff because remember what Paul said. This is Paul; he's still the author in this assembly. But remember what he said. How does how does Yahweh find fault when he's the one that's got everything? He's in charge of everything. And Paul says, "Look at you're the lump; he's the potter. Go with it. See." And when you find out about his goodness, his kindness, his mercy, all the things that he's about, that's, that's what we're talking about, see, and I want to just read this where he's saying how he had this plan in mind from the beginning, and he had us in mind from the beginning, and it's almost mind boggling to think about that you could have been thought about way back when before the earth began, and it's not like it's billions and trillions of years old, folks. That is not correct. See, it is, we were all created in the day of eternity. So you're not going to put a time on it. And you're not going to put billions and trillions of years on it. It's just not the way it is. But go ahead. Let's just get this. Ephesians 1.4. According
6: as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of sons by Yahshua the Messiah
5: to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Are you, getting to- the, are you getting the feeling of the potter and the lump that he, according to the good pleasure of his will, okay, that he predestinated you to be adopted, see, you no matter what you thought you were doing to earn it or what you think you're still doing to earn it today you're not you're absolutely not go ahead
6: to the praise of the glory of his grace through which he hath made us accepted in the beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness
5: of sins according to the riches of his grace now, you see that blood, that water, that spirit, that death, that burial, resurrection, that's precept upon precept that we were talking about back there in Isaiah. That's how he's going to teach us. And that's how he's going to show us. And that's how he's going to be the our redeemer. And he's going to be our forgiver of our sins. Because it says over there in another spot in Romans, there's none righteous, no, not one. So there was Nobody that didn't need a savior, and that was covered completely, so that when Yahshua comes in, everybody has to come to him for soul salvation. So, according to the riches of his grace, keep going,
6: in which he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Yahshua, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. In whom we also, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own
5: will. So Everywhere that Paul's making these points about us coming into the fold, about us being in the body of Yahshua. He's all making the point. He's all in that Yahshua has chosen us. Yahshua predestinated us. Yahshua set up an inheritance for us. We did not know anything about it. We could not find our way. And like I said, in the example with the high priest, he's got Israel on his breastplate designated by precious stones. He's got bells and pomegranates on his hem of his garment designating Mm -hmm. the Gentiles. These are inanimate objects at that place and time. Do they have a, a prayer of getting up and walking into the most holy place themselves to be part of the day of atonement? They don't have any way possible to do that. Yahshua has to carry them in the high priest has to carry them in. And by those things on his garment, by those precious stones, and by those bells and pomegranates, that makes that garment full of beauty and glory, because Yahshua was sent to to finish the work that the father gave him. And by this example in the day of atonement, read it in Leviticus, the 16th chapter, by this example, we see what it's all about. And you got about as much hope of getting into the most holy place or getting a revelation. That's what that's signifying or shadowing. You got about as much hope of doing that on your own as uh, I don't know, lifting up your house because this Yahshua has got to take you in. And that's what he's talking about. He made known unto us, he abounded unto us. He, in the fullness of time, he would let us know, let us in on the mystery. So you see, and all this takes place. I see this, I see the, I'm acknowledging. Thank you. All this takes place after the day of Pentecost. And it takes place in our hearts and it takes place in our minds. There's nothing for us to do, but I'll tell you what, there's something that we want to do. And we want to praise Yahshua when we see what he's done for us. The, the mm-hmm. magnitude of the gift, it, it's just, um, <laughs> we we can't even, there aren't words for it. Now, there is over there in, um, I feel like it's Hebrews, let's see. Okay, so it's Hebrews, the 13th chapter. And it's the 15th verse.
4: Hebrews thirteen fifteen. By him, therefore, let us offer the praise. I'm sorry. Offer the sacrifice of praise to Yahshua continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name.
5: So this is what we're trying to do here this is what we do gladly this is what um a loving heart will do and uh we love the gospel and we want to have Yahshua be praised and he will be praised as we speak the truth and talk about his gospel the death the burial the resurrection of Yahshua the messiah according to the scriptures and if you uh, want a little bit more on that, you can read 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, and verses one through four. I'll turn it back to the moderator. Thank you.
4: Hallelujah.
5: Thank
0: you, Dr. Cometti. And our third speaker this afternoon will be the Dean of our Oceanside, California class, Dr. Dennis Volpe. I
7: want to say good evening to everyone. And as usual, I want to get a sound check, make sure I'm I'm being heard okay.
3: You're
7: good. Great. Okay. Wonderful. Now, the first two speakers really put out some. I feel a very edifying, edifying information in their lectures. They were just uh, there's just so many ways to go with that. So I'm going to try to take it from where they left off, and uh, take you into something that uh, was impressed upon my mind as as I was listening to those testimonies. Now, I always like to go back to remind all of us. First of all, this teaching is so far above any, any religious doctrine or religious teaching that's in the world. Because the founder introduced us to the fact that Yahweh exists in a state that none of us had ever imagined. And I'm talking about that state that we refer to as pure spirit. Now, he was able to define what Yahweh is, that he is spirit, and he was able, the founder was able to express to us what those what spirit is, that it's those divine attributes. But he also added to that that Yahweh's knowledge and wisdom is not something he possesses, but that's exactly what he is. And the knowledge, the wisdom, the intelligence, and all the attributes are infinite. They are not uh, you're not able to grasp the depth, the, the, the total depth of any one of those attributes while Yahweh is in that state now what Yahweh desired to do from the beginning when he masterminded his purpose was to bring forth offspring and to make himself known to his offspring. offspring in the operation itself of the purpose that he set up and that was his end, uh, so-called uh, uh, endeavor, not endeavor, but uh, 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 end point was to cause those that Yahweh has chosen to reveal himself to, to have some kind of an understanding of him. Now, I want to go over for a minute. I'm going to get several scriptures. So go over and get me first Matthew eleven twenty-seven. I want to go back over there. Matthew
4: eleven twenty-seven. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and he to whom and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal.
7: Now, now that right there was a, a, a mouthful when you understand the scope of those two things that were just read. Now, nobody Now, now Paul talked about, in his lecture, how that, uh, you know, the priest told him, you can't know God. Well, the truth is that you can't know God, or you can't know Yahweh, except Yahshua reveals him to you. And that's important to note. Now, when Yahweh took on that shape and form, that, that Elohistic form that we call Yahweh Elohim, that you see pictured up on the top of this chart here, to Moses in that vision. Now, I want you to know that that was a condensed version of Yahweh's pure spirit state, which means that those attributes were in that embodiment, but not in totality. Now, let me tell you the result of that, first of all, uh, it's something for you to note. If you remember correctly, uh, uh, Moses went up into the mountain over there in Exodus to to confer with Yahweh Elohim. And Yahweh Elohim told him that he could not look upon his face, that he would put him in the cleft of a rock, put his hand over him, and when he passed by, he would lift his hand. And Moses saw the hind parts of Elohim. And what did that do to Moses? It lit him up. It lit him up. His skin was shining to the point that when he came down the mountain, the people were fearful, and Moses had to wear a veil over his face because of their fear. Now, what I want you to realize is that occurrence was actually, uh, let me show you how this works. In that state of pure spirit that Yahweh existed, Dr. Kinley talked about, how that Yahweh existed in a state of ontological perfection. And in that state of perfection, He is in a state of absolute, total, the totality of glory, but cannot be imagined or appreciated by us in that state. There's no way for you to know something about that. And that's why in that state He is inscrutable and incomprehensible. You can't scrutinize pure spirit, nor can you comprehend it, except through Yahshua the Messiah. And let me explain how that works. Now, in the transcript that Dr. Kinley did, it's called Explanation of the Godhead. He was talking about how that, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a quote in Isaiah, where uh, Isaiah had made the statement that he saw Yahweh. Dr. Kinley said, now that's absolutely not true. That's not correct. And he started to explain how no man, Isaiah, Moses, Jeremiah, you, me, or anybody else has ever seen Yahweh in that state. Now furthermore in that transcript, he did say this. He said that Yahshua is in the bosom of the Father, and that he sees Yahweh, and he will declare him unto you. Now, Yahshua does see the Father. Now, let me show you what I'm talking about. That experience of Yahshua seeing the Father is what caused him to be glorified right from the very beginning of the purpose. Because Yahshua existed in that state, that bosom of the Father, before anything was actually created, before the angelic or the physical creation was made, Yahshua was in the bosom of the Father, and the Father was instructing him and teaching him. Now, what I want you to know is that that him seeing Yahweh in that state lit him up, meaning it caused him to be a super incorporeal being. Now, to show the analogy, Moses, when he saw the hind parts of Elohim, it lit him up. Now, I'm saying that for this reason, because when Yahweh divests himself of the totality of that glory to manifest himself in that Elohistic form that we see up there on top of Mount Sinai, he had to, uh, Yahweh Elohim had to, if you will, veil himself. He did not appear on top of Mount Sinai to the Israelites in that superincorporeal form. They could not look upon it. It's just an impossibility. Now, if you remember, Dr. Kinley talks about in the panoramic vision pamphlet, the experience he had when he was caught up into the realm of eternity and that he was there with Moses at the top of that mountain and talked about how Joshua had approached him and that he was so magnificent or brilliant or radiant of glory that it caused them to be in a state of vibration where they reached insensibility. And I remember Doc explaining it like this. He said that just like when you go into a room, if there's a really bright light and you can't look upon it because your eyes are not able to handle that kind of radiation, he said if you have a dimmer switch over there on the wall and you turn that dimmer switch down, that causes that light to lower to a point where it can be then... Uh, viewed, seen, and not harm your eyes or hurt your eyes. And he said that's exactly what Joshua did when he approached him in that vision. He dimmed himself down, and as he got closer, he was in the form of an anthropomorphic, incorporeal being. Now, Dr. Kinley, when he had the vision before the revelation, was carnally minded. He's not capable yet of comprehending the depths of what exp- the experience that he had at that point until after the vision was shown to him and then he received the revelation which he said was Joshua stepping inside his body. Now what I want you to realize when you walk in the door here, the wisdom that we try to use with anybody that comes in for the first time is to dim down the great esoteric metaphysical principles that we've come to learn in here and show them simple things, correlations that point to uh, the operation down through the Bible. We show a lamb back there in the land of Egypt that we show why Uh, John said, Behold the Lamb of Yahweh that cometh to take away the sins of the world. We see an offering, a sacrifice back there on the the Passover, and we correlate that to Yahshua. Then we take the tabernacle and we correlate blood, water, spirit, death, burial, resurrection. We show you uh, how the seasons of the year go through a death, burial, resurrection, glorification. And we show you these principles down through your Bible, manifested all the way down through. Now what we're doing is we're taking... Uh, that light and making it comfortable for people's eye of understanding to be able to grasp and, uh, and, and appreciate, especially if you've had any kind of religious training, you're going to realize, i never heard anything like this before. I never heard there was a pattern in operation, that the reason why there's so many 40s down through the Bible is that it corresponds to the 40 steps or 40 feet in the holy place. You never heard that before. And so these things are given to you in a way to allow you to adjust to the understanding of Yahweh being like we use the example of H2O. You have gaseous H2O that does not have descriptive shape and form, then it condenses and becomes liquid. And then it further condenses and becomes ice. And we use that analogy to try to illustrate that Yahweh's spirit is the same substance as what was the in the incorporeal and in the physical. And so these things are necessary for you to grasp a rudimentary beginning understanding of what we call the foundation of how Yahweh's purpose is operating and how he actually is and truthfully exist, which is the first aim of our school. Now when we take it, as we learn more and we start to recognize that these things are all pointing to some spiritual reality... Some spiritual principle that these things are illustrating. Well, I want you to know that Yash said. Let's go over to Revelation, not Revelation, uh, John seventeen and one again, please. Follow me because I'm going to try to put this together for you, tie it up, work it into some of the things that I've already been worked with, and then take it back to our scripture reading. John seventeen and
5: one. These words spoke Yahshua, and lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify
7: thee. Now, Yahshua is asking the Father to glorify him. And we're going to keep reading, because then he explains something about that glorification. Go ahead, read.
5: As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast
7: given him. Now, Yahshua is the servant of Yahweh. Let's make that clear. He is doing the will of his Father. So everything Yahshua does is according to the will of the Father. And I want you to know that the eternal life that he's going to give to vessels is according to Yahweh's will. Yahshua is not arbitrarily... Uh, picking people out, or or uh, uh, drawing straws, or anything of that nature. It is a organized purpose that is pe- that is that is being accomplished and cannot be altered. That Yahweh has set up right from the beginning, and so Yahshua said he's giving eternal life to as many as the Father has given him. Keep reading, and
5: this is life eternal, that they might know Thee the only true Elohim, and Yahshua the Messiah, whom thou
7: hast sent. Now watch. He said eternal life is for you to know him. Now I want you to know, we just read in 11, Matthew eleven twenty seven 27, that nobody knows Yahweh, the Father, and nobody knows the Son, except the Father. And to whomsoever, Yahshua is going to reveal the Father too. Nobody knows that. So if your eternal life is you knowing Yahweh the Father, Yahweh is Elohim, or Yahweh is an Elohim, even in pure spirit, and Elohim is a deity. Now, Yahweh in that state of pure spirit is a deity, albeit that we don't comprehend the depths of that state, doesn't mean that he's not a deity. In fact, he's the only deity. Now, uh, Elohim is a deity as well, because he's an incorporeal being that is the Father, condensed, Operating his purpose through that condensed state. Now, here's what I want you to see. That your eternal life is contingent upon, and the end result, that the Holy Spirit open up to your heart and mind the knowledge of how Yahweh actually is and truthfully exists, which is our first aim of the school. And I want you to know that we are only learning of Yahweh to the degree that Yahweh has a purpose for us to know him, and that is to know him. And that's why, when it was read tonight, about Romans 1, 19 and 20, and that is that, because that which may be known of Yahweh. Now, the, the term may be is important in that statement, because you can't know everything about pure spirit, but you can know something about pure spirit, according to the will of Yahweh, which is going to be made manifest through his son, Yahshua the Messiah. And we have to recognize the operation of the Godhead is following a prescribed will, the will of Yahweh. The word will in your Bible, if you look up what the word means, by definition it means purpose. When you state a will, you're stating a purpose. So Yahweh's purpose is his will. And how it works is not left to, just like when somebody writes a will for the... Uh, their family, you don't go in there, especially if there's a will that's called an irrevocable will, which means it can't be revoked, it can't be changed. Mm -hmm. Now some people make wills that are revocable, which means you can change it along the way, but if it's irrevocable, it can't be changed. Now Yahweh has an irrevocable will, and nothing can change that will. Yahweh said, I am Yahweh, I change not. So he's not going to change his mind when he decided to step out of that state of pure spirit. And when he did that, immediately he was committed to the purpose of doing what? Dying for his uh, the souls of the elect. He has committed himself to undergo that death, burial, resurrection through Yahshua the Messiah. And that cannot be changed. So when Yahshua said in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said... Father, if it be possible, remove this cup from me, but not my will be done, but your will be done. Well, Yahweh couldn't change his will. Why is that? We talk about that that form that was up on top of Mount Sinai, we refer to it as the Word. And in John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with Yahweh, and the Word was Yahweh. Now, in that pure spirit state, there were no words spoken. Yahweh formulated his purpose and then elected to carry it out. So once he steps down from that state into that incorporeal form, he is now given his word that his purpose will be carried out as foreordained back in pure spirit. So he can't change it. Otherwise, he would be a liar. And these things are, uh, uh, this, this immutable thing Is in your Bible that it is impossible for Yahweh to lie. Once he gives his word, he's going to keep it. Once he gives a promise, he's going to keep it. So what I want you to see is Yahweh is carrying out his word by operating his purpose through that Elohistic form that we call Yahweh Elohim, down in the flesh through Yahshua the Messiah, then back again into the incorporeal realm. So what I want you to see is, that this whole purpose is Yahweh setting up, carrying out his purpose. And we read tonight in our scripture reading that Yahweh will be merciful to whom he will be merciful, and whom he hardens, he's going to harden. Now, the point is that Yahweh uh, is manifesting to his elect. And that's why in Romans 9 it talks about that Yahweh is putting up with much long suffering the vessels of destruction that were for that were, uh, were, were made from the same lump of clay, that he might make known the riches of his glory to the vessels of mercy. Now, the riches of his glory is the revelation and understanding of his great existence, ladies and gentlemen, and his great love, his great kindness, his great mercy, his great power. You coming to that understanding and realization is only because he's opening up and revealing himself to you. Now, if he doesn't reveal himself, none of us are going to know that he is merciful. We're not going to really know with the extent of his love and all those kind of things. So it's got to be demonstrated. Now, there's a reason why he set up in his purpose that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Now, we know back in the land of Egypt, when Yahweh gave the covenant to Israel and they agreed to keep it, many of those laws, if you broke them, it was a punishment by death. But just like when he told them, the very first thing, I don't want you building any images of any gods and worshiping them. Then Moses goes into the mountain. He's up there for 40 days and 40 nights. And during the time Moses is up there, Yahweh showing Moses, Yahweh Elohim is showing Moses how to build this structure called the tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle was a way that there could be forgiveness for sin and and a a reconciliation because somebody has sinned against Yahweh. They could be reconciled not by their own accord, but by the high priest, which is a figure of Yahshua himself. Now, Yahweh had already set up how that was going to play out. in the court roundabout, there had to be a sacrifice with the shedding of blood that blood has to be done in the court round about. Now, that's why until that animal is shed, I mean, uh, offered, and the blood is shed, they have nothing to bring up to offer on the Day of Atonement to sprinkle at the Ark of the Covenant in order for Yahweh Elohim to grant the forgiveness of sins. So that sacrifice is crucial. So therefore... When uh, Moses was up there in the mountain, the very first thing they said they they would keep and they were told not to do, they did. They built that golden calf and worshipped it. Well, Yahweh had already prepared a vessel of salvation for them, which was the tabernacle. And so the plan was already in motion that we're going to get, we're going to have a way for them to be forgiven. Now, what I want you to see is this that that sets up that Yahshua was the, was the lamb slain from the foundations of the world. Because Yahweh, before anything was created, I'm talking about angel or man, he already set up that situation of uh, that vessel, that that, uh, that Elohistic form, which would come down into the flesh, and then there would be a death that would take place, an offering of a sacrifice, in the earth plane, which is the court roundabout, or a figure of the court roundabout. So therefore, we know the blood is shed out there in the court roundabout, so the blood has to be shed in the earth plane. Now that blood then was carried up into the holy place, angelic, and brought right up to the most holy place, to show you that that sacrifice happened out here, but it is carried up in the sight of Yahweh, and it is offered for an atonement and for a ransom, so that forgiveness can be granted. And we see that by our pattern. Our pattern shows us this. So what I want you to recognize is all this demonstrates to you is Yahweh's great mercy, and His kindness, and His willingness to forgive. His willingness uh, in His heart, as He says over there in Ezekiel, He said, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And He had counsels them to do that which is acceptable, so that they might live. Now, I I want you to see that what we're we're coming to with all of the demonstrations and all these manifestations I'm talking about is coming to an understanding of the very core of the nature of Yahweh operating through Elohim and Yahshua. We are getting to know Him. And Yahshua has to open up these things by revelation to your heart and mind so that you start to get a perception of of what sort of being you're really dealing with, the extent of why he's worthy of your praise and honor to recognize his great kindness towards us. In fact, the founder told us that in the ages yet to come, and this is in your Bible, he said that we shall go on to learn of Yahweh's great love and kindness towards his creatures. Now here we are, in the fourth age, we got three more ages after this one, and yet you would think, well, we're seeing his kindness. Look at all the stuff he's done there. He saved Israel when they didn't deserve it. He got up on that cross for us, all these kind of things that we see. But yet and still, there is a depth of this great love of Yahweh that we have not yet come to the kind of real uh, uh, at the point of of, uh, of the depths of it that Yahweh wants to reveal to us before this purpose is over. That's why it's going to be opened up in the ages yet to come. And I want you to realize we're just beginning our journey when we come down here. And we've got so much more to learn of Yahweh that uh, I tell you, when I think about it, it gives me goosebumps of just thinking about the tremendous revelation and knowledge that we will garner in the next age, in the uh, the next three ages. And so what I want you to see is just like when Elohim, or Yahshu's in the bosom of the Father, perceives the great glory of Yahweh, it lights him up, he becomes glorified. You're still back in, in the 17th chapter of John where you left off what life eternal was. Keep reading down a little bit more.
5: John 17 and 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the
7: world was. Now, when you break that open, when he says, glorify me with thy own self, with the glory that I had with thee before the world was. See, that's him telling you that he was right in the bosom of the Father, and the radiant, the, the condensed uh, uh, amounts of intelligence and knowledge and wisdom that were imbued within that that uh, uh, body that Yahweh had formed is radiant with light and with glory from the Father. And yet it pales in comparison to the whole state of pure spirit, which is in a state of ontological perfection. And yet Yahshua is lit up. Through the Father. Now, when we come into class and we start to get these things opened up to our hearts and minds and our understanding, it will light you up on the inside because you're seeing this great glory of Yahweh, even in the condensed version, through Yahshua the Messiah. Right. And you are coming to the awareness and consciousness that, that that we understand and see in Yahshua is, in fact, Yahweh's spirit, his own substance, demonstrating to us in the capacity that we're able to learn. I want you to realize this thing is so magnificently simple, yet it's profound. It's profound. Just how, how Yahweh is, is, is carrying out his purpose as he set forth from the beginning to make himself known to his creatures. And so uh, what I'm showing you, what I'm trying to get you to see is this.' There's, uh, I want to go over to for a minute a scripture that um, hang on, let's sec, let me get this my, in my uh, Bible uh, my phone Bible, I, I'll say it like that. First of all, all right, I want you to go to Colossians for a minute if you don't mind. And so I don't forget this. I'm going to give you another scripture that I want you to go over and hang on to for me, okay? I want you to go over to. Shoot, I thought I had it here in my. It's in First John. Well, guess what? I'm gonna. Ha- I'll be able to find it. That's okay. All right. Let me go back over here. All right. So, one second. One second. I want to see if this opens up. All right. Yeah, it is. Get your finger over there, in First John, the third chapter. Just hang on to it. Now, I want to go back to where you just were in Colossians. And I want to tell you where I want you to start. Oh, boy. Uh, I got to go back to Colossians here. Hang on. I'm, I'm hitting things on my head. <laughs> All right. Let's start. I think uh, I want to start where, uh, now, uh, no, uh, uh, Deb, Deb work with us. Uh, just go ahead and start there. Start at, Start at 13.
4: Colossians 1 and 13 who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son.
7: Now listen, listen. I remember being taught when I first came in the class, and I know a lot of you out there probably heard this. Uh, I remember my dean used to say, well, now, uh, you know, every year they're having a celebration uh, called the Passover, which was given under the law, um, because of uh, Elohim delivering them out of captivity down there in the land of Egypt. He said, did it ever occur to them that it was Yahweh Elam who put them into captivity to start with? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because we know that he sent down Joseph down there to prepare and that eventually we knew he showed it to Abraham in a vision over there in the 15th chapter of Genesis that the seed would become strangers in a strange land and later come out with great substance. Now, he put them down there to demonstrate that he would deliver them and that he was their salvation and that he loved them. That's why he had to put him down there to start with. Now we were in, we were put into the darkness that he's now delivering us out of. He put us in that state of darkness. He created us subject to vanity, which means we're empty. We're devoid of any understanding or any knowledge. And we're in a state of spiritual darkness. Now he did that so that when he leads us out, he'll recognize his intention for us all along was to bring us into the glorious light of this gospel. Keep reading
4: in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins.
7: Now, the blood has to be shed out there in the court roundabout. And Dr. Kidley talks about in one of the transcripts, he talks about you're not saved in the name of Yahweh, you're not saved in the name of Elohim, you're only saved in the name of Yahshua, because there was no blood shed in pure spirit or the angelic. It had to be done out here in the court roundabout. And without that shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And everything in that tabernacle was dedicated with blood once it was made as well. Blood is a very important part of the purpose of Yahweh. Keep reading.
4: Who is the image of the invisible L? the firstborn of every creature. Now, that physical body
7: that Elohim formed in in the womb of Mary and then later stepped into it himself, that body was manifesting, it was the image of Elohim himself. In other words, it was showing you that great Elohistic form in operation. Keep reading.
4: For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth.
7: Now, everything was created by Yahshua that was in heaven and in earth. Read.
4: Visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Read. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist.
7: And uh, Deb got up there, work with the first chapter of Revelation, how that he was the beginning. And that's what Joshua was telling John on the Isle of Patmos. I'm the beginning and I'm the end, the first and the last. Read.
4: And he is the head of the body, the assembly, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence.
7: Now, that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about that because Joshua, ladies and gentlemen, is the head of the body. We are the bride, he is the husband. He is the head of this church, this assembly that we are in. And listen, he was the firstborn from the dead. And this all was being done that he might be preeminent. Now, preeminent means greater than above any other creature. I'm putting it in a way you can understand it. He's preeminent above all angels and all mankind. Because when Yahweh took on that shape and form, those divine attributes were configured by Yahweh himself, and they were measured, just like in the tabernacle. Everything that made that tabernacle was already foreordained when they brought the substance up. Yahweh didn't just all of a sudden whip say, whip something together for me. It was all set up, and they were told exactly where each vessel had to be placed, and the measurements of each vessel. Use this much gold, make it this long, and so on. Now, when Yahweh configured his divine attributes in that condensed version of Elohim, And he measured, there's a measure of of intelligence and knowledge and wisdom and love. All of that was measured to work in unification with all the attributes operating according to their uh, 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 purpose and, and measurement to demonstrate something that can be comprehended by us who are obviously lesser creatures. He is the only standard of righteousness because the only thing that is considered righteous by the Father is those attributes and the proper measurements. Now, you remember when Nadab and Abayu went into the holy place and they mixed their own incense. It wasn't acceptable because the incense had to be mixed by the art of the apothecary. It had to be measured and mixed in a certain fashion. And because they didn't do that, they were zapped right there in the in the tabernacle. Now, what I want you to realize is, unless you come in the door with those divine attributes already measured in you, and you already have divine intelligence, knowledge, and wisdom, you already have some understanding of the purpose of Yahweh. Well, without that, you got no righteousness because that after, those attributes are the only thing that's right in Yahweh's eyesight. He put that. Nature together that we call the divine nature, and it's perfect for the job that He set it forth to do. And anything that is not of that nature, that is not uh, uh, measuring up to that nature, is not right. Hence the term righteousness. Righteousness means to be right, and unrighteousness means you're not right. Well, you can only be right by becoming a, a recipient of the divine nature. So you can do all the good deeds you want and everything else, and that's not going to make you right in Yahweh's eyesight without that divine nature be formed in you. Mm. Now how does He form it? By the foolishness of preaching. As the Gospel is being taught, and as the purpose of Yahweh is being made, uh, explained in these classes, and run down for you, the Holy Spirit then will reveal those things within you, or to you, And that will be forming the divine nature in you. We are with child, ladies and gentlemen, prevailing to be delivered. And he is forming that nature in each and every one of us. We're becoming a new creature in him. And just like uh, in a natural birth, we need a certain amount of chromosomes. We have the ovum that only has half the chromosomes, and it needs the sperm to supply the other half. Now, that sperm is a package of instructions that tells the ovum how to build and divide to form a, a body. Now, Yahshua, we're all from, made from the same lump of clay. Joshua is spirit also, and so are you. So is your soul. But the difference is that what he is doing is instructing us through revelation that is causing our nature or soul then to be constructed in a form of measured attributes that become acceptable to the Father, and that then becomes your righteousness, which is really his righteousness, but your righteousness that is now in you. The only righteous thing about any of us is that Yahshua's is in us. He's the only righteousness. Now, uh, 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 keep going. I'm looking at my clock here. i got six minutes. So keep reading there, please.
4: We're pleased the Father that in him should all fullness
7: dwell? Now in Yahshua dwells all of the fullness. Now there's a scripture where Paul talks about until we come to the measure of the fullness of the Messiah. We are not, we haven't come there yet, ladies and gentlemen. We're still developing. We're still growing in knowledge and wisdom, intelligence and all the experiences we're going through in this life since we've come in the class are, are part of the process by which we are being brought to perfection. Now I don't have time to explain all this. Let's go over for a minute to the other scripture that I was talking about, because uh, i got just five minutes left. I want you to go to John there that I asked you to get for me.
5: First John, the third chapter. What verse, Dennis? Go ahead. 3 and 1? Uh, yeah, start at 1. I'm sorry. Okay. First John, 3 and 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of Yahweh. Therefore,
7: now listen. Listen, what manner of love is this? That we, that the Father has bestowed but that we should be called. It says, uh, in King James, it says the sons of Yahweh. Read.
5: Therefore, the world knows us not because it knew him not. Read. Now, we are the children or sons of Yahweh, and it does not yet appear what we shall be.
7: Now, it doesn't appear yet. Now, here we are in the flesh, and it doesn't appear what we shall be yet. Because inside, we're like the same thing as that butterfly. You went in a caterpillar and then spun that chrysalis. And what's going on is going on behind the veil, if you will. I'll use that chrysalis of the veil. But when the completion of that happens, that that, uh, new creature emerges from behind that veil. And it is completely now a brand new glorious creature. Those butterflies are absolutely spectacularly beautiful. And they came from a state of just a lowly, I'll use the term worm. I know it's not a worm, but I'm using that example. We came from creatures that are just walking across the earth uh, like a worm, so to speak. And yet we will emerge as a new creature at the close of this age when the veil is removed. Keep reading. It does not, read that again, uh, what you just read. And it does
5: not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is.
7: Now we know we're going to be just like him when he appears. And it says we shall see him as he is. We have not seen Yahshua yet as he is. Now what does that mean? He will appear at the end of the age with the glory that he had with the father from the beginning in a state of of of, of uh, super-incorporealism that will outshine the noonday sun. And Dr. Kinley said, you're going to be right there with him, right next to him with the same body that he has, because if we're members of his body, we are radiant and glorified through the head, which means the whole body then, the whole body radiates this glory of Yahweh that is manifested through Yahshua and the souls of the elect that he has called unto glory. And I want you to realize that that's what we're hanging in here for. That's why we're fighting in our everyday life to remain faithful in this gospel, to continue to try to be motivated, to continue to try to learn, to help the brethren, to teach one another. Uh, All of this is part of the process that we have to continue right down to the end. But at the end, the, the, the payment or your troubles is not worthy. The sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in every one of us. And we have to recognize we didn't earn it. It's the free gift that Yahweh has given to us because it pleased him. It pleases him to give us the kingdom. And the kingdom is is for you to be in Yahshua in a state of righteousness, peace, and joy, and an immortal, glorified body, just like the one that he has, that reflects Yahweh in that pure spirit state to the degree that it's able. And I'm just telling you, ladies and gentlemen, whenever I think about this this, this purpose and how wonderful and marvelous it is, the way Yahweh's working it, I'm telling you, it just sends it sends chills up and down my back. You know, so I just want to say to all of you, and Doc said it to us before he passed, he said we ought to love one another. Because when he was asked, how do you know when you have the Holy Spirit? He said, when you love the brethren. So if we're going to love one another, there's two things that we need to do. We need to be tolerant of each other, number one. And number two, we have to forgive one another. And if we can't do those two things, you're in, the wrong, you're in the wrong place, ladies and gentlemen. If we don't do those things, Yashua will not forgive us either. And he will not be tolerant of us. I don't want to be in that state. I'm already worried about, you know, my shortcomings. And I don't want to be in that state. I want Yashua to say, you forgave your brethren. I'm going to forgive you too. You were tolerant. I'm going to tolerate you too. Let's just do that to one another. Let's encourage each other to good works, and let's love one another fervently. And that's what we were talking about, what the first speaker was talking about, and that's really what I wanted to end up on. So with that, I thank you for this opportunity. I'm going to hand it back to the moderator, and I want to say peace and love in Yashua to all the brethren.
0: Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Volpe. We'd like to thank everybody who joined us today in our Zoom class, and we'd also like to thank those who have viewed us on YouTube. We hold our Zoom class every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. At this time, I'd like to ask the class to stay muted until the live stream has ended. We'll now be dismissed by the doxology, which is taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let us all say, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! hallelujah.
4: hallelujah.